0: Day! And welcome To the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast I'm Coomer Joined as always By Hummer Hummer, what's up
1: buddy? Holy hell It is a great day to be a Bearcat fan And Weird enough it' Not
0: because basketball's starting tomorrow No Hummer We just got done recording an absolutely sensational interview with brother Brando. Timmy B, Tim Brando was on the podcast talking Cincinnati Bearcats football, college football playoff, everything that's wrong with the current system. If you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, moreover, if you're a college football fan, listen to this podcast and and be inspired, be enlightened, be informed about what's happening right now to the Cincinnati Bearcats and why it's bigger than just the University of Cincinnati. Last note before we get to the interview, Brian Fox did join us for this interview. So he was not introduced on the podcast, but he is on the podcast as one of the interviewers on this Tim Brando conversation. So make sure, uh, don't be alarmed when you hear the uh, soothing vocals of B-Fox. Without further ado, Tim Brando. We are now joined by a true college sports commentating legend, a revolutionary of sorts, Tim Brando, national sports commentator for Fox Sports, has joined the Cincy Slang and Podcast. Tim, thank you for joining us today.
2: Great to be with you guys. You know it was once said by my old friend and colleague uh, up in Bristol, Chris Fowler, because I dared to to stay at ESPN but move back home to Louisiana. You know, in those days, uh, way back before you were born, you had to stay in Bristol if you wanted to be on the air. And uh, all those guys that followed me, guys like Tarico, Chris, a bunch of them, they, they've they all moved from there, too. You know, and uh, they called me the Kurt Flood of ESPN sportscasting. <laughs> it was like the, as the free agency began shortly after I bucked the system, you know. And uh, that's that's so, you know, you mentioned revolutionary, so I kind of had to go there. It's great to be with you guys. It really is.
0: Well, we, we appreciate everything you've been doing on behalf of the Cincinnati Bearcats in terms of fighting the good fight, uh, using your tremendous platform to bring attention to the college football playoff shenanigans that that us in Cincinnati are very familiar with. We pay close attention to we sort of knew it was coming. Uh, I would say that the first round of the playoff rankings was was even harsher than we expected with the Bearcats coming in at six. But you you have a bit of a history uh, defending sort of universities like Central Florida and Cincinnati, dating back to probably before 2019. But it's really when I caught attention to it.
2: Um, Boise State during the BCS, too. You know, they they were the original fly in the ointment. You know, I created the fly in the ointment line. You know the team that could screw it up for all the elitists, and Boise was that team. And ironically, the BCS with only two teams was um, tremendously more accessible than the college football playoff is with four, you know, uh, positions there. There's, there was more access for Boise. They would have, they would have actually been in it the year that uh, they missed a kick wide right on a Thursday night uh, because they had computers that could back up what they had done. You know, computers were actually involved in the BCS, not just, uh, you know, a group of of, uh, commissioners and athletic directors that make up the Power Five, okay, with a beauty contest of brand names, which is what this stinking thing is. So, yeah, it actually started with Boise uh, and the World in Crisis countdown for the BCS that I started on my radio show years and years ago, and... uh, I, I thought the playoff might be better, and we were lied to. We were absolutely lied to by those in charge of college football, and uh, there's less access for uh, the have-nots now than there was then during the BCS, and God, that was a godforsaken process.
0: And and all of us were led to believe that we would have more access with the playoff, you know, going out to four teams. Do you think this was sort of the the plan all along was to sort of hijack the power concentrated amongst these certain teams these certain universities
2: well there are those in the media that have stated that this is really the group of five's fault uh and there is a little merit to what they're saying okay and let me explain why uh at the time that the playoff was put together there were 11 leagues now you know we're we're down to five uh down to 10 and there's the group of five and the and the power five Uh, but when the, the deal was put together to go to a college football playoff, which was right after that awful, uh, BCS title game rematch between LSU and Alabama, that was when they, they all got together. They didn't even get out of new Orleans without saying, we've got to go to four. We've got to go either to a plus one model or come up with a new system. Um, they, they were able to get the commissioners of those leagues to say that we're we're outside the Power Five. Hey, we're going to have a a place available for you in a New Year's Six game. In other words, we'll throw you a bone, and that's all it was, a bone, to the best group of five team to go to a New Year's Six game, which is, of course, what Cincinnati, you know, had last year when they got to play you know that that uh, high end exhibition game that meant a lot to Cincinnati and could have meant a lot to Georgia had they lost the game, but the but but the leagues did sign off on that, which meant they were going to get a little more money. Now you got to understand the economics of this. You know, to Conference USA, to the MAC, to the Mountain West, a little bit more money is always helpful. Those schools need it. They they don't have uh, you know the financial wherewithal or the alumni base and the and the level of uh, of um, cost of attendance even at some of the schools so they they had to say yes to it but now there are pundits people in the media say well this thing was never built for anything other than the power fives and this this kind of wrath that's been heaped down upon Cincinnati and was for UCF and and maybe Memphis and Houston in past years they should have expected this The mere fact that they actually suggest that shows you just how condescending and uh, they really are. And they've created, they being the Neanderthals in college sports that govern this crap, they have created a collegiate culture war between uh, universities of less size than others. And it's wrong it's 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 become very negative it um frankly puts me in a position where at the end of every college football season by the time the playoff begins i've checked out i'm already on to college basketball because it's refreshing to go to a sport where every team that suits up knows at the beginning of the year that they have a path to the postseason when you know 40% of college football knows it has no path to the end in college, in in their sport. That's, that's what's wrong with it. And that's why they're struggling to the extent that they are. Uh, That's why college football is in this transformational state that it finds itself in right now, fellas. It's, it wouldn't be this way if they had made better business decisions so that America could really follow all the teams in all the regions of the country and keep up with, uh, what could be uh, an incredible open-ended 12-team playoff where teams could earn their way in based on what they accomplished on the field, not by hearing some, some spokesperson speaking to Reese Davis on a Tuesday night telling us how, how much they respect Cincinnati while they've just thrown them under the damn bus. Uh, that's wrong. That's fundamentally wrong. And this is where so many fans around the country check out. You know, college football is the second most popular sport in America by every metric available. It is. Yet it's it's, it's been treated so terrible by everyone involved at the highest end of those colleges, those universities, and by the media who basically controls the narrative that is situated for their benefit not everybody in college football that we want to have the teams we want to have in and uh, let's make it harder for those teams that, that dare to be Cinderella. I mean, how un-American is it to look down your nose at those teams that are performing Herculean efforts every week to get on the same stage and perform at the level that Cincinnati has. Uh, We get to the end of the year and now, you know, the, these Tuesday night appearances start. People start grinding on how bad these teams are that Cincinnati's playing. And in the same breath, I mean the same breath, we'll come back and say, well, you know, Houston, that's a dangerous team. They might get them. Oh, boy. And you know what? I'm telling you that um, uh, there's there's some other teams in there that if I'm uh, Cincinnati, I'd be really scared right now the way they're playing. Well, well, wait a minute. You're propping them up now. These are the same teams that you wouldn't rank committee and you're top 25, but the AP has in the top 25. And why don't they rank them in the top 25? Because the committee doesn't want Cincinnati to get wins over ranked opponents. That's why Wisconsin's in with three losses and a, a, a failing Iowa team is in with two losses. They didn't want Houston or SMU to be teams that could prop Cincinnati up between now and then. But those same people, are saying, well, you know what, Cincinnati, there could be some carnage. I know that team is 2-7, and but you know what, that team could really – and, you know, know, SMU's pissed off the way they lost that game last week. They might take it out on Cincinnati. They're talking out of both sides of their mouths. I mean, it's absolute garbage. It's wrong, and I will shout them down until you put me six feet down. Okay? I mean, that's just the way it's going to be.
1: Tim I'm a I'm an attorney. I've tried a lot of cases and um and Kumar I I, I think the prosecution rests right there. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smokes. Yeah Man, you know, I, uh, Tim your your voice is is so incredibly appreciated. Um you know a lot of us have tried to be the tip of the spear but we don't we simply don't have the platform. Um and, and we feel like we're just kind of barking at the sun. So it is incredibly um, helpful, encouraging, and meaningful for somebody like you to have this justice instinct to get out there and fight for us. Um, you know, it, to to some of your your points, it, you know, the BCS is versus the college football playoff. College football playoff has you know an exhaustive list of the universities that have been selected to play include Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oregon, Florida State, Michigan State, Washington, Georgia, and LSU, and that's it. Seven Um, years,
2: 11 teams.
1: Unbelievable. Seven
2: years, 11 teams. I mean, how awful is that?
1: And then when you look, it's, it's, it's deplorable. And then you look at the money involved here. ESPN pays about $430 million each year to host the college football playoff. Um, the other two, you know, the other two bowls that they have separate, separate contracts with, they pay about uh, 160 or $170 million for those contracts. Um, and then you've got a, a playoff committee that's comprised of a bunch of athletic directors who, while they have a recusal policy that they won't vote on their own team, they don't have a recusal policy for voting on teams in their conference. As you well know, each team yep. that gets elected to this playoff they get a $6 million, you know, check for playing in that game. And while that university might pocket two of that, depending on whatever the conference regulation state, you know, a bunch of the other teams are going to split up the balance of that. And then if you get two teams in, then they're looking at splitting $8 million or more. Um, Do you think they, uh, you know, What can can we as fans do? What can we as you know, I love the sport of college football. I think it's one of the most beautiful, fun, the pageantry, the, you know, the culture around college football is is tribal in in, in its most beautiful way. Right. Um, What can be done beyond just expanding the playoff next year? Because I feel like that's going to be that's their concession. All right. Fine. We realize we we screwed Cincinnati again just like we screwed UCF for two consecutive seasons. Um, you know, if they expand next year, that's no real consolation for us. So what what can we do or what can folks do to try to organize to get something done actually this year to try to force lobby that committee to well, not make I, 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 conflicted yeah, decisions?
2: I, I do think, counselor, that uh, <laughs> if you go back to what began all this, the lawsuit brought by, Uh, The universities of Georgia and Oklahoma in 1984 against the NCAA, which, by the way, most fans don't know about, rarely think of, uh, and some people in the media don't even know about because they don't do their history. Um, We're in this uh, predicament because the schools got control of the rights of the national television rights to their product, which at the time was a bit of a tough sell. It was a Supreme Court ruling of three to two. Uh, that got that deal done, which enabled cable television to carry all these games that we're now enjoying today. It actually helped create my job to host the original game day in 1987 after I had done um, CFA primetime. The College Football Association was put together uh, in 1985 by Chuck Minus, the former Big Eight commissioner, um, that uh, really did want to have a proposal and, and, and did propose a full bore playoff uh years earlier to the ncaa that uh, then uh leader walter byers who who ran the ncaa like stalling 13 uh years ago he, he 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 wouldn't hear of it but the ncaa lost those rights and then the schools got a hold of it and the cfa was made up of all of the conferences outside of the big t- the, the the time was Uh, the big 10 and the pac eight they stayed separate hence the rose bowl being special having separate contracts but all the other conferences and notre dame uh formed this partnership called the college football association and we went through uh the alliance and the coalition and then we got to the uh, bcs the bcs and now we're here where we are and greed uh, as my friend vino cook uh predicted uh, God rest his soul. I said, we need a playoff. Said, they'll just screw it up. They'll absolutely screw it up. It's all about bringing the money grab, and they'll overpay coaches. They'll be paying coaches not to coach. They'll stick them in as associate athletic directors, and they'll be paying $12 million a year for, for two coaches, one that they fired, one that they run out of town. And but, I mean, he, he was so right. I mean, he, he could project out. You know, I'm talking three decades ago he was telling me this. Uh, and he was right. What, what can be done now to get specific to your point? Uh, just pound the drum loudly. Uh, the louder, the better. Uh, part of, uh, we're going in the right direction. College football is, is going in the right direction, but a little bit like Major League Baseball, which I think is the only other sport that is uh, stuck in molasses quite like college football we're the slowest to change. It's historically the slowest to change, but we're getting closer because COVID came along and everybody's hemorrhaging money. And now they need more money. And they're more open to the idea of 12, a 12 team playoff as a result of that. And frankly, if, if the sec commissioner hadn't gone and and rightly or wrongly, I don't care what sec people think, you know, I was born and bred into the league. I owe, Uh, the SEC and the platform they gave me all those years, both at ESPN and at CBS, a lot of credit. But rightly or wrongly, and and what the commissioner did, what Sankey did was was best for his constituency. I applaud that. I think that's wonderful. But (laughs) he, he won't be able to escape the fact that the narrative by every other leader in college football right now, the commissioners, is that he went out and poached two of the biggest brands in college football, away from a colleague, while they were in the middle of negotiating as a quartet, along with Jack Swarbrick and Craig Thompson, the the, uh, commissioner of the Mountain West, those four were putting together a 12 team format for the presidents to all sign off on. This was going on in April. And then all of a sudden, unbeknownst to one commissioner with the other, they were already laying the groundwork for Texas and OU to leave the Big 12 and go to the SEC. Well, I mean, you can be as collegial as you want to be in public, but that pissed off not only Bob Bowlesby, but every other commissioner in college football. And that's why the alliance was formed between the ACC, Big 10, and and Pac-12. That's why they said, you know what, Mr. Sankey, congratulations on procuring those two schools, but guess what? Uh, We're not gonna approve anything now without you understanding that we're a block vote, whatever you want, we will vote against. And that's exactly what's going on right now. And that's why we're not going to see the 12 team format probably until the new television contracts are up. You know, that's what they're saying. They're saying until we know how realignment is going to shake out. And right now we don't trust anybody in any league as to whether they're trying to get our teams or not get our teams. I mean, it's the wild, wild west out there. So we will get closer, I think, to where those teams are going to land as we get closer to the the television rights being up, the current contracts, which means another three years. Okay, So we're going to be stuck on four for, I think, another three years. We may know about the format, and it may be approved to go to 12 uh, in another couple of years. But I don't think we're going to be going to 12 until then. It's not going to happen next year, fellas. It's not. Uh, And the deal won't just be a one-network deal. It'll be a two-network deal. And it'll be worth billions, not millions. 473 will be chump change. 473 millions will be chump change to the new deal. It'll be in excess of a billion and a half, probably over $2 and it will take two networks to to handle it, which of course brings <laughs> that, that sort of uh, okay. Well, what do we got? You know, we got we got a tug of war going on between the conferences, the conference offices and commissioners, and uh, a current rights holder uh, at ESPN that controls the the narrative and controls the rights until the current deal is either torn up early, which I you know whether that happens or not is <laughs> who knows or we get through the entirety of it. And uh, in four years, uh, the open bidding will begin and uh, we'll see which other network wants to jump up. But for that kind of money in today's climate, for all the rights money that's spent on other sports, I can guarantee you it'll be uh, two networks, uh, you know, and you can begin to guess which ones that um, I feel that will be the two networks. Let's just say one of them could make me smile, (laughs) So we'll see. I certainly see it heading there. Yeah, I do. We're we're going in that direction, but it's it's not going to happen soon. I I think Cincinnati can get there this year because there's more carnage, in my opinion, ahead for everybody. the The, the college football world is flat this year, other than Georgia. Everyone's vulnerable. Um, it's easy to to point out Cincinnati's flaws against teams that are three and six, like Tulsa, uh, because they're not in the power five. But those teams are, you know, they got scholarship players too. I saw Tulsa play Oklahoma State to the very end. A bad call may have cost them a win in that game. I saw them only five points down to Ohio State in week three in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left. And uh, the game got sideways on a pick six. And the score was not indicative of how closely Tulsa played that game. But they'll point this out. The, 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 the big guns will continue to point out eye test and style points only with Cincinnati, not with Ohio State, not with Alabama, not with any Power 5 team there. And we know what eye test means, okay? It means uh, you're not that good and you don't look as good on uh, in warmups and so you know, a, we know what that means what's on it's the front called, of the jersey yeah it's about it's about the, the name of the school that's all it is
1: the only difference the only difference between Nebraska and uh in Tulsa this year is that one one has a bigger athletic budget than the other
2: right absolutely glass <laughs> ceiling that's another one that I you know glass ceiling what does that mean oh it means you know I think that's about as far as Cincinnati can go which is just outside the top four. <laughs> That's what glass ceiling is all about. You never hear glass ceiling with any other uh, team in the college football playoff hunt, except the, the for the team that is outside the power five. You know, the teams that uh, Cincinnati has to navigate moving forward are all really good teams, arguably better than a lot of the teams that uh, will be playing in, in these power five games against teams like Ohio State and uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and all the other teams that are trying to buy for the top four spots. But nobody's gonna say anything about them. You know, they're they're not. But oh boy, we'll carve apart Houston and SMU. You know, we'll carve them apart because, you know, they're on Cincinnati's schedule. I, I thought, I knew last week, and what really perturbed me, it made me go off, was when I saw the back end of that top 25. And those teams were missing and teams with as many as three losses were in out of the big 10. I'm sorry. No, you did that. That's a setup. That's a corrupt setup against the American conference and specifically against Cincinnati.
0: And to me, it's not a new trick either. I think we saw similar shenanigans in 2020 and they were used to start elevating teams like Florida who ended the year with three losses, Iowa state. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you this. Oftentimes, I, I think we, we focus too much, and, and we by we, I'm just saying the discourse with general college football fans. Anytime they want to discredit Cincinnati, it's focusing on what Alabama would do to Tulsa, what Georgia would do to Tulane, <laughs> rather than looking at it as yeah. we're playing the average American athletic team. Yeah. What's yeah. that team going to do against the average Big Ten team or the average Big 12 team? So can you, who's someone who, who has a ton of expertise in this space, You've watched teams across the country. I think you take yeah. pride in watching every game every week. Um, how do how do those teams stack up to each other when you're looking at, like, the average of the American versus the average team in the big Ten? Yeah, they what
2: stack up thinking? very well. The Americans has been better than the ACC in the Pac-12 the last two years. I mean, they have. And I don't care what their strength, quote-unquote, strength of schedule is. You can only do what you can do. You know, when Cincinnati scheduled Indiana – they were coming off a 6-2 and two team a year. They were preseason, what, top 20? They were 15th, 18th, something like that. Uh, Pennix gets hurt. That's nobody's fault at Cincinnati's. They, they come out of the gates and, and lose some games, so the game doesn't look as good on paper. Still, you got a great shot from them. They got out to an early lead. You had to come back to win the game in Bloomington, and you did. And then you go to, to Notre Dame. You schedule Notre Dame. I mean, what else can a team from uh, outside the Power Five do? You only have a few opportunities to schedule non-conference games. Generally speaking, uh, teams like that wouldn't even put Cincinnati on its schedule. UCF ran into that all the time. Uh, For Cincinnati to have Notre Dame and Indiana, albeit with an open date in between, uh, which I thought was also wise by the AD, Uh, to to schedule it that way but still back to back on the road uh, back in July and August you're looking okay that's that's amen corner right there baby you get through that and and you're setting yourself up well even by the time the Notre Dame game came around okay which should have been a moment of ecstasy well you know that Indiana win doesn't look as good now and without a bad call uh, which really opened the door and the floodgates for them. They don't, you know, All these damn excuses start coming up, and uh, you know Notre Dame didn't have it all together. And I don't know, people throwing dirt on them now. I think they've done pretty good since, don't you? Um, it's just, so. I mean, it's just amazing uh, all that they come up with to to find a way to to throw Cincinnati uh, under the bus. And um, and look, it's up. Luke Fickle's team knows what it's got to do. They got to go out and win every game. And then last week is a great example. When Ritter fumbles the ball at the one yard line and those guys have to come back out there again and stop Tulsa going in hell, that is, that's great stuff. That's what champion teams do. Okay. If that had been Alabama that had to do that or Ohio state that had to do that. Well, you know, the narrative would have been, well, you know, they didn't play their best, but you know what? You don't, Teams like that don't have to play their best to still find a way to win. That's that's a championship mantra right there. Happens to Cincinnati, and oh, what a mess that team must be. They could barely beat, you know. If Navy plays uh, Notre Dame and comes close to winning, well, you know, that, that triple option is really unique. It's different. <laughs> Nobody ever sees it. Those little guys play their asses off happens to Cincinnati. Oh my God. You know, that's one of Navy's worst teams ever. I mean, my God, does it ever end? Does it ever stinking
1: end? Yeah. And, and our, our players are starting to wear it. I mean, uh, in the locker room after the game, uh, you know, the post game presser Desmond Ritter commented that Luke Fickle had to kind of admonish and encourage the team. Hey, celebrate this win. And all of our, you know, our, our student athletes, we always talk about, you know, NCAA, we, we, privilege and prioritize the student athlete we got student athletes who just had a uh, a miraculous win uh, you know after a double goal line stand and they're in the locker room with their shoulders hanging low because they know that they're going to get beat up on tuesday night
2: uh, uh, that's what i'm saying this this whole system has sucked the joy out of a, a game that should bring us nothing but joy college football should be The best times of your life as a competitor. It should be absolutely the best. Talk to any pro athlete that uh, is in the NFL today and uh, go into any locker room uh, at any time in the NFL, and all these guys want to talk about is is their days in college. You know, I, I still do some NFL games from time to time. Fox will have me come out of the bullpen, you know, certain weeks, usually after the college football season is over. And I'll see these guys. I've known them. Uh, I may have even called some of their parents games. I'm that old now. And um, they'll be like, uh, man, Mr. Randall, I remember you calling my dad. And I'm like, wow, you're remembering that. They remember that. Um, th- th- what what the modern day internet athlete has to go through uh, with all the information that's out there uh, and with what this system is, has just sucked a lot of joy away from uh the college game which to me should always be about fun you know it should be a lot more about fun than it is about business but the people running the college football business are doing an awful job with it and at the very top we have a cartel coalition that is ruining it for everyone outside their exclusive country club that uh you need not apply for membership and um that's one of the reasons why we have to get to twelve. Uh, once we do, uh, I think we'll be okay. That's it's not going to help Cincinnati now or uh, any other team from the American Conference or the Sun Belt or the Mountain West uh, or the MAC uh, in future years. Uh, but the bottom line is we're on the way, and we got to keep pounding that drum. I do think this year. One of the reasons I picked Cincinnati at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think I had them number four in my preseason schedule and my, my preseason standings are all the way, always built around a prediction. This is how I believe it will fall. This is what I believe will happen. And I really thought that a lot of two loss champions would be out there. Um, Oregon could go down at any given time in the Pac-12, any given time. Um, And could go down twice actually. Okay. Between now and the end of the year. Um, the ACC is already a mess. You don't have to worry about them. Uh, Wake Forest has just lost their first. There will be more. And, uh, then you look at the SEC. Uh, I'm not so sure Alabama gets by Auburn at the iron Bowl. I'm really not, not after the way they performed against LSU at home. And you look at, uh, the big 10, what's out there right now, uh, looks, you know, the champion cause of the pure playoff privilege is Ohio state. Okay. Uh, Even with Michigan state in its position now uh, after the loss, and even with uh, the potential of someone else, you know, besides Ohio state being the winner of that league, that's who they want. Well, the big 10 champion could have two losses. I mean, so if we're looking at multiple champions with two losses, And Oklahoma, by the way, is an accident waiting to happen. Uh, They've got to play there. They still have to play in order. Okay. Baylor this week. uh, Then they, they get um, uh, Oklahoma state in Bedlam. But prior to that, they've got to go to uh, Texas tech. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that could happen. I mean, there's, there's a lot that can happen. I, right now, I think Oklahoma State's better than Oklahoma. I'm not convinced Baylor won't beat Oklahoma this week in Waco. So uh, they could have two else, even though right now they they look unscathed. But um, you don't need all those conferences to have two lost champions to get in. But I think you you, you need two. And I think the potential of two is very, very good right
1: now. I mean, what I'm hearing here though is with the way we know how corruption works within the committee itself is that as Cincinnati fans, we ought to worry about Auburn now. We ought to worry about Baylor. We ought to worry about Oklahoma oh sure. State.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, you gotta worry about all of them. I, I just think two losses against uh, an undefeated slate, you, you can you can you can justify a few teams. Okay, but I don't think you can justify them all. That's my point.
0: It would force uh, the, the, the system basically to cave in on itself at that point. If you, right, if you, it's, right. it's too, it's too bold. It's too over the top yeah, to load yeah. it with two win, uh, two loss, two lost champions. Teams,
2: multiple two loss teams over an undefeated, I think would really be a, a, a look even they couldn't handle. Okay. But that's why Herb street said what he did. Now, I'm guessing the bat phone rang for him, uh, Tuesday night. <laughs> when he said that, uh, no way does Alabama get in with two losses. No way. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Pause the bridge, guys. We can't go there yet. <laughs> you know, no way. I, 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 the, 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 I admire Herbie for saying it, but I'm not going to say that I believe it.
1: Well, la- last year they put it. admire
2: him for saying it, but I don't necessarily believe
1: it. Last year they ranked a three-loss Florida team ahead of us at the end of the year, despite being undefeated. And we gave. We gave Georgia hell in the Peach Bowl. Um,
2: yeah, but you know they had twelve guys out. Did you know? That? <laughs> plus the, other, the guys and we were, were missing nobody. And the guys that were playing really didn't care. It was just an exhibition game sure, to them.
1: Sure. I mean, it's
2: just, I mean, it's one thing after another after another. Never giving uh, the opponent credit. That is a. Uh, uh, that's 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 the goal of, of I think just about every head coach uh, in the SEC. At the top of that list. Nick Saban. That's part of it. You know, it's never what the opponent did. It's how we effed it up. And that plays, that plays its way through fans and even into some of the media, you know, I I can handle it from fans and uh, you can dish it out all you want, but when, when members of the media do it and a lot of them now uh, because of the new media we have, the blogosphere, uh and and listen i'm not going to rain on all the the the, the media's changed for this generation it has um and the best way to make a name for yourself in a lot of ways now is to have your own blog and to get to to get on a website that's really got some heavy duty action and uh and and go out there and make uh, grandiose statements and see what happens uh that's fine but a lot of these blogs are basically you know fans that have enough money to spend on a website. And then they get on the website and they use that platform for their pom poms as fans. You know, they're not media. They're not the, the kind of media I grew up on uh, that's supposed to be objective. Uh and uh and that's that's it is what it is. I, I applaud you guys for being honest. You know, you've got a blog. Yes. It's all about Cincinnati. Yeah, there's we are we are biased. Is you all know, hell. You're, you're transparent, <laughs> you're transparent. Right, openly
0: openly biased. I yeah, did want to yeah. make sure on, on the topic of media. I did want to make sure I didn't let you go without asking you about this. We're about tw- as we record this, we're we're sneaking up on 24 hours before the next version of the rankings is released. It feels like this is about the time where you're going to start seeing new statistics and and talking points start trickling out through ESPN media. Just, just big media in general.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, the the FBI. Uh, that's that's the biggest con job in the history of mankind. Okay, the football power index. What garbage. Uh, people have said to me, well, Tim, you know, it's metrics. Metrics are part of it. You know, it's analytics. It's uh, it's baseball. It's like you know, that's why uh, they have uh, bullpen days instead of starters now. Uh, two out of every five games. I I, I don't care about any of that. They use the FBI within the college football playoff. And then they hand this information over to the people you watch doing SportsCenter. And they put it out there like it's like it's uh, it's fact. They put a graphic up saying there's a 18 percent chance that Cincinnati could get there versus, you know, 52 uh, percent. And, and young people are looking at that and, and like it's gospel. It's like what? That's a complete lie all right, and, and you've got people covering a beat for the CFP, okay, and and I think the world, Heather Dennis does a, a great job covering her beat, but what is she getting? She's getting propaganda from Bill Hancock's office, okay, that is regurgitated as though it's fact, meaning we're getting this out now, just so you can't get your hopes up, Cincinnati, you got no shot, okay, that's the kind of Dribble you're talking about, and 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 in today's media, that seems to be uh, accepted. Let me say another really, uh, just maniacal thing that was done by the CFP. Real quick, uh, I was doing my radio show at the time, and I was invited. I, I turned it down because I've always felt like if I'm if I participate in something that I loathe, then I don't have the right to condemn it. Okay, I gave up my AP vote during the BCS because I didn't want to be a part of their god-awful system. I could not uh, torpedo it if I was part of it, so I gave up my AP vote. Well, in this particular system right now in college football, uh, when you start looking at what's there and the, 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 the notion that we have a circumstance in the, in the college football playoff, where I was there to do a mock version of what the committee is doing. And boy, that's a hard job. They give us all this information. We're trying to piece it together. And they're using you know what happened a year earlier, but it's a mock deal based on what happened five years ago or something. And then it's up to you to determine who should be in the top four. That's how they do it. They, they bring everybody to Dallas. They put them in a nice hotel. They have great food. And you're one. You know, there might be two or three members of the media that that maybe you look up to a little bit, and then you're maybe a a local media type that has been maybe critical in the past. And you go, Gosh, I didn't know there's that much into it. You know, they do the best that they can. That committee, they really, really do. That's what they did. That's what Hancock did. So now they've got all these friends in the media. You know, whether it's I don't know, name the person from the AP or name the person from. Uh, yahoo or the person that, that went and took part in this with the hopes that they will champion their system okay that will accept that narrative okay that was all part of the despicable plan all right that has made this system in my view a corrupt system
0: that's that's kind of an amazing just Summary of kind of where we're at right now. I, I don't think there's any question at this point. The system is currently constructed. Well, yeah, you know,
2: somebody will say to me, "Boy, that's really harsh, isn't it?" For you to say corrupt, and I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" He says, "Well, that kind of means that they're taking money from." Now. I was like, "Well, what, what do you think's happening here? Aren't they giving money to the schools that participate? Isn't there a financial boon to those conferences that have teams that are getting? They are. Okay, they're playing with their own house money." And they're doling it out to the people that they're in the cartel with all the while saying it's a college football playoff
1: and whining college
2: football with 130 division one teams. This isn't a college football playoff. This is an invitational, an invitational to the elite. And that's why I call it corrupt.
1: Amen, Tim.
0: I, I think that's kind of exactly where we should leave it. I, I truly appreciate you taking all the time you did today to speak with the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Let's leave, let's leave Cincinnati fans with this though. Uh, right now we're currently sitting at six in this system while corrupt, while broken. Uh, we are still in the midst of a historic football run right now in Cincinnati. Luke yeah. Fickle has created something that we've never seen before at this university. It's a team loaded with NFL caliber talent, that can compete with the best and has competed with the best. Do you still see a path at this point? It sounds like you do, but do you see the Bearcats making the college football playoff at the end of the season?
2: Well, I, I think they can sneak in at four. You know, that's where I put them in my preseason top 10. If you go back and look at it, you'll see it. I had, I had them at four. And of course, I got lampooned by everyone in the SEC. I was called a Benedict Arnold, the whole the usual stuff. But I, I thought that there could be a, a flat season where no dominant team was really out there. I was wrong in that Georgia is a dominant team. They really look to be head and shoulders above everybody else. I think they can be challenged uh, by a few teams that they still have to play, but that defense is just a juggernaut. I mean, it really is. So got to give them a lot of credit. But I don't see anybody else out there. I mean, I frankly struggle. And somebody said, Are you going to keep Cincinnati too after that? Well, I said, well, who else you want me to put there? Michigan State was three. What happened to them? Oregon barely beat Washington and they're all screwed up. What am I going to do? Who else do you want me to put there? I mean, really Cincinnati stands up. I think to all those other teams, because nobody has given me reason to believe that they can uh, be any, any worse this week than they were last week because nobody else has really stepped up. That's, that's the other part of it. And let me leave you with this too, for the prospects of the future. Uh, Even though. Uh, Utah didn't make it when they were undefeated, and Urban Meyer was there, okay, with Alex Smith and those guys back in the BCS days. He got he he helped. Those were the building blocks and foundation for them becoming a Pac-12 team. Uh, Gary Patterson just out last week, as you know, but his team came through in a game I had with um, Baylor on uh, Fox last week. Uh, his legacy will be that he took that program. From the WAC to the Mountain West to the Big 12. Okay. One of the great stories in the modern era of college football. They had been kicked to the curb in 1996 when the Southwest Conference ended. Okay. Everybody else went to the Big Eight, Big 12, found homes elsewhere. I mean, they even had about a a two week period where they were in the Big East and then weren't before they went to the Big 12. Okay. So getting TCU positioned was just an unbelievable thing that Patterson did during his 21 years there. All right. I think that what lies ahead for Cincinnati now moving from the American into the Big 12, along with BYU and Houston, uh, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Central Florida as well. Central Florida. Central Florida. I'm sorry, UCF. Your path and and what UCF has done, you guys can be what Utah and, and TCU were and Boise State to some extent as well, although they stayed in their league. Um, I think Boise State is a, is a league that is a team that makes a big difference and could be, will be, another factor moving forward. You can be in the same ilk. Cincinnati, this could be the golden era for your football program that took you from a have-not to a have. So hold on to that thought because I think it's a positive thought. And one that you can build on moving forward. And yeah, I do I do still see that you can get there. And right now, gun to my head, win (laughs) out. You gotta be undefeated. Win out and you'll be number four.
1: Love it. This sounds like the plan for getting Luke Fickle to have a statue out front of Nipper (laughs) Stadium.
2: Yeah. And then probably in about oh, 10 or 12 years, he'll overstay his welcome. A new AD will come in and fire him. Oh, Darren. <laughs> ouch.
1: <laughs> That's college football. Oh, hey, It's a business. <laughs> Always a business. Well, Tim, if you're ever in Cincinnati, you you look me up, man. I'll, I'll, any steakhouse uh, on me, I would love to. Well, to thank you. you. I'm,
2: I'm a big, I'm a big Jack Ruby's guy. I, uh, I generally stay at the hotel right across the street when I'm in there for Xavier games. You know, we do the big East. So, uh, I'll be in there. I'm sure sometime after January, I'll probably be cold as hell. Uh, you might have to, um, you know, bring your uh, high tops and, uh, slush in the snow with me, but I'd love to, love to get with you guys. I really would be a lot of fun. That'd be great. We'd love, Thanks, Tim. we'd love to do it, Tim.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. And everyone can follow Tim at, at, at Tim Brando on Twitter, where he's speaking the gospel and the truth of uh, what college football should strive to be. Thank you, Tim.
2: Thanks, Tim. Thank you, fellas.